Dear friends, once again, you could not have picked a better day to be here. My goodness, happy five-year anniversary. And with that, um, who's watching the Olympics? Anyone tuning in? Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I don't know about you, I, I prefer uh, the Summer Olympics over winter, but that's regardless. Um, uh, I never get such a big sense of national pride than watching the Olympics. You see the ceremony of nations. You see our teammates. And so, so when it comes to that national pride, I chant USA. And for me, my goal in the Olympics is that in every event they enter, I just want them to dominate. I don't care if every podium just says USA the whole time, three flags up there. I want to dominate because USA, I love this country, right? Maybe you can relate. And so I have all these emotions going into the Olympics, and I turn to the men's snowboarding halfpipe. And I have huge expectations because I know who's in it. It is this man, maybe you've heard of him, his name is Sean White, the Flying Tomato. And Sean White, if you've seen the last Olympics, the two previous Winter Olympics, he was just twice as good as anyone else. Flying twice as high was just awesome. And so I'm coming into this event like, yeah, he's going to be like Michael Jordan. He's going to prove like all the expectations are good and he's going to pull through. Anyone see what happened? Yeah. To say it at the least, he had an off day. He didn't land his jumps, and we lost to Mother Russia, our bitter rivals. Oh, my goodness. He didn't even place. He didn't get on the podium. And with all that, all my expectations going in and then seeing that, it helped me identify there is nothing as miserable as losing. That's what I'm going to talk about, as losing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Losing is a humiliating, gut-wrenching, world-caving-in feeling. Am I right? Who here hates to lose? Right? In fact, why don't you turn to someone next to you just tell them, I hate to lose. Just, just, let's get it out. Let's exhale. I hate it. It doesn't feel good. I don't like it. No losing. And the problem is, you and I can walk around in our lives almost each day and have that feeling. Right? You and I can walk around having that gut-wrenching, world-caving, and humiliating feeling for any which way and moment. If that's the case, if you can relate to what I'm talking about, then again, you couldn't have picked a better day to be here. <laughs> because today is about a victory. Today is about good overcoming evil, and it's not USA versus Russia, although that, you know. Today is about what God has done for us, and just basking in that. If you get nothing else for today, I hope you feel what it's like to know a victory down to your core. Because that's what we get to consider as we're gathered. You see, we're in this series on treatment, and we've been focusing on physical, spiritual, and emotional strength. And today we conclude the series focusing on spiritual strength. And, and today, in my mind, as I was prepping for today, it, it helped me balance the ecosystem of Valentine's Day. Did, did anyone else kind of gag with all the flowers and all the pink? And all the, is there anything manly about Valentine's Day? I am not sure. But this is going to write that ecosystem. It's going to be proving today that it's okay to be a man of God. You can grunt and you can spit and you can smell bad. That is your right and you're welcome to a heavenly father. In fact, would men of the building just, could you give me a grunt? Could you just go, huh? Yeah. You can do that. And guess what? You're not sinning. That's, that's all right. It's good to be manly and womanly. Welcome to. Sorry. But we're going to be talking about what it is to be God's warrior. <clears throat> I love it. 
And with that, have you ever had your strength tested? Ever had your strength tested? I, I go by those carnival games, and maybe you're familiar with this one, where you try to get the hammer and as much as you can, put on the spirit of Popeye, and boom, right? I never play them because I, I don't want to show off. It's a bad joke. I'm not that strong. I have played one similar, though. It was uh, this game. Uh, it kind of looks crazy. The Adams Family, and it imitates you being electrocuted. And you're trying to hold on to these handles while they're vibrating. And um, let me tell you, after playing this game, I can hold on to vibrating handles with the best of them. It's pretty awesome. Yep, yep. But today, being God's warrior and feeling that inside of us and proving our strength, what we need to know is that God's warrior, it's really... It's not about our strength at all. In fact, why don't you get into the lesson with me? First, first verse of that lesson, what does it say? We're in the book of Ephesians. Paul recorded these words to congregation in Ephesus. And there we go. It says, finally, be strong in who? Us? Strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You know, we considered that the first week, if you were here, that we are to trade our strength for his. And that was David versus Goliath, wasn't it? David said to a big giant, he said, you better be afraid. You're going to rue the day that you talked against the one true God. And it wasn't about his power. He says, I come to you in God's power. And because the Lord of the angel armies and the armies of Israel is with me, so you are going to go down to Chinatown. You don't even know it. I just need a sling. I don't need much because he can use me and work through me. That's his power to win the day. We're going to need that power too. Because whether you know it or not, we're at war every day. And that's why you maybe have felt defeated before. Who are our enemies? Let's turn now and see our enemies. Verses 11 and 12, it says, Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, if that sounds scary, if our enemy sounds scary, he is. And we've referred to the enemy as the unholy trinity. There are three parts of that enemy. Does anyone know, want to give me one part if they know? What are our three enemies if you grew up in catechism or if you know off the top of your head? The unholy trinity is? We got the devil, right? Anyone for the others? The world and our flesh. Here you go. The devil, the world, and our flesh. And let's pick them apart. We, we, we talked about the devil, and one of the things we considered is that the devil uses your mind as his playground. See, he wants to use half-truths to make you think negatively. The world that you live in, they will propose things, and they will get you to think that things are acceptable that God forbids. They will lead you down paths that won't be for your help, but will actually harm you if you give into it and if you believe it's good. But maybe the worst is what's inside of us is ourselves, our sinful flesh. Charles Spurgeon had to say this about our sinful nature, our enemy. He said, Beware of no man more than yourself. We carry our worst enemies within us. Another pastor said that the enemy is in a me. And it's true. You and I put ourselves down in a way that others don't dare to do. You and I can shame ourselves by what we've walked into in a way that, that others don't have to point out what we did is wrong. We know. We get it. 
And I want you to know all these enemies attack you vigorously. When you walk out of this place, even now they're trying to attack, trying to steal joy. They work in us so that we know what it's like to feel defeated spiritually. We know what it's like to be rattled and shaken and have that gut-wrenching feeling of shame and loss. But today is about victory. And we are here because the one true trinity, he trumps the unholy trinity every time. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has almighty power, and this for you and for me. And we heard of Jesus' powerful glory, his victory. He came into the world, he died on a cross, and in so doing, sealed victory. Like a Super Bowl trophy you could never take away. So we have a victory that no one can take away. Because of the power of God, you're forgiven and I'm forgiven. You and I don't have to worry about what the end of the day turns out to be, what the end of life turns out to be. We know about victory because of forgiveness through Christ. That same powerful God, he was the one powerful to work in David to cut off the giant's head. The same powerful God, he worked through a man named Elijah so that when there was a boy who had died, he was able through the power of God to raise him to life. The same powerful God, he worked through the apostles so that when they were carrying around their handkerchiefs or snot rags, does anyone carry around snot rags anymore? Well, their snot rags were so powerful that if someone just touched the snot rag of the apostles, they were healed. That's incredible. The same powerful God, in five years has worked through you and has worked through me to show the world that he is good. To show so many more that they are welcome into the arms of a loving and heavenly Father. The same powerful God has worked through us so that the world might know of his love. Man, we have victory, and that's why this church exists. And it's on this victory that we will continue to reach everyone we know and tell them the goodness of our God, which is strength besides our strength, His power. So if you're new to Christ and you're joining us today, maybe you just want to pause there. I want you to know you have victory through Jesus over sin, over the devil, over all your enemies, and that when God calls you, you are ready for heaven, that crown of life the sealing of that victory. But if you're in Christ, God now gives us tools to use. He says, I don't want you to live in defeat. I don't want you to live with your head hanged down. I don't want you to live feeling loss anymore. But we need to see the gospel first. As God's warrior, this is why that victory is so important. Seeing we've already won, it enables us to win daily. We call that gospel motivation. See, if we try to live for the Lord or conquer our enemies based on some guilt, it isn't going to work. Or it's going to work only for a short time. But if we see we don't have anything to lose, if we see the battle already won, then we can continue. So God now invites us to put on his armor. And, and this section that we're going to get into it reminds me of going into an armory, like medieval times if you were a gladiator and you had to pick out your sword or that handle with the spiky thingy and the chain or a club. You know, just pick your selection of what you want to wear. For me, it reminds me of football. Before every football season, you, you got to pick out your helmets and your pads and, and your shoulder pads. And, and when I went into that room before a football season, that wasn't just padding. That was my battle gear. 
was my battle gear. I remember seeing uh, one set of shoulder pads that was painted black and it said Terminator. Those were mine. Not sure it helped any much, but uh, th th that was my battle gear. I strap on, get ready for the fight. We're going to see words that invite you to strap on, get ready for the fight. The tools you and I can use on a regular basis to overcome those enemies through the victory we already have. Now, some of the tools we're going to express are going to be reviews of what we already talked about in the series. If you want to catch up on the series, go online. See all the sermons there. Some of them are going to be new emphases, but let's get into it. The first one, well, picking up at verse 13, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist. The belt of truth. Now this reminds me of an illustration that we used during this series. The devil wants to use lies to get us all boxed in. But we played the part of the Kool-Aid man. In fact, does anyone want to play the part of the Kool-Aid man here? Volunteer? Yeah, you do? You can. Alright. Should I play the Kool-Aid man? What's Kool-Aid man do? Carolyn? Carolyn! Let's give it up for Carolyn. Carolyn wants to be Kool-Aid man. Carolyn has bailed me out, like, all the time. Like, if it weren't for Carolyn, we would have... I just thank you so much. All right, welcome. So you know what the Kool-Aid man does? He stands behind, and whenever you're ready, you just... You just yeah, you... Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Give it up for Carolyn. Give it up for Carolyn. Thank you very much. Watch your step. Watch your step. Because what does truth do? Truth, we learned, um, demolishes those strongholds, demolishes those evil boxing in that the, the devil has for us. So, so what does this say? I'm useless? No, Corinthians says, I am part of a body and made on purpose. What, what, I can't do it? I can do all things who gives me strength. Uh, what is it? I am a failure? No, no, no. I am purposed by God. I'm a reject? Uh, uh, he chose me. And so what we do using a belt of truth is we break through those lies each and every time. The devil wants to get us in a funk and we're like, no, -uh, there's not going to be any funk today. I'm going to power through because I know the truth and the truth sets me free of any funk that I'm in because of his promises. And that's the belt of truth to set us free. That's what you have in Christ Jesus. But it goes on. What do we got next? A breastplate of righteousness. Um, stand firm with a breastplate of righteousness. Now this also um, imitates what the devil does. He's called the father of lies. He's also called the accuser. The accuser. Reminds me of pointing the finger. Did your mom ever tell you not to point the finger? Kids are really good at that, aren't they? Kids are so innocent, they pick out whatever they see as weird. What, what is that? Right? And kids especially do this when they're in pain. When they're hurting, they'll say, He did this to me! She did that! Point. Do you know the devil, your enemy, is a master finger pointer? All day long, if he could, he'd say, You did it! It's you. You should not feel good right now. You should feel the shame and the full weight of your guilt. You can't get away. You are guilty. And you deserve to be punished. You. But what does a breastplate of righteousness do? What is that? What does that mean? I consider the story of Abraham. When Abraham believed in the Lord that he'd have a son and that he'd be blessed, it said it was credited him as righteousness. And what that means is that through faith, 
When we believe in Jesus, what we have is righteousness. What we have is perfection. What we have is holiness through faith. So if the devil tries to point the finger and says, you're guilty, it gets bent because, uh uh-uh, devil, I am righteous through faith in my Savior. You can't hold me down. You can't tell me I'm guilty. Not when my heavenly Father has said, I am not guilty. I am perfect through Jesus. We continue. And with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. They said sandals of peace. Maybe they didn't want to put a picture of feet. Feet are kind of, it depends. I don't know how beautiful your feet are, but... Um, this reminds me of this illustration. Does anyone remember what we said about Coke in an aluminum can? Do you know why Coke tastes differently in an aluminum can? Because aluminum will leach into it. Aluminum is actually absorbed into your Coke. It's different. And so we said that we want to leach into others. We want to be absorbed into others. We want to influence others in a godly way so that when they see us, they feel good. When they see us, they know a gospel of peace. And so we have feet fitted with readiness to influence well. And what we do is we tell them, hey, you feeling down, you don't need to. You have peace because of a victory in Jesus. You feeling down over here, you don't need to. You have peace because of a victory through Christ. You feeling down over here, you don't need to because you have peace through the victory of Christ. I don't need to feel down because I have peace through the victory of Christ. And I'm going to be ready to share that for whoever needs it, for myself who needs it. And God says when we do that with my feet, they are beautiful. Not because of a pedicure. Not because of some fancy foot lotion. They are beautiful because how beautiful are the feet that bring good news. You have a victory today. A victory today through Christ. It could be as simple. Don't, don't overthink it. Just say a victory through Christ. That's not something don't overthink the gospel. It's all about the cross. It's awesome. It goes on. We're not done yet. Get in the armor. Here we go. Next. Well, this, this kind of translates. Peter said we should be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that we have. But let's get into the next one. The shield of faith. All right. We are in verse 16. It says, in addition, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, what is the shield of faith and how can it extinguish those flames? Well, can anyone give me a household item to try to deduce what faith is and why it's a problem. All I need is any household item. A spoon. Thank you very much. A spoon. If, Cindy, I put all of my faith into a spoon, if I look to a household spoon and I say, spoon, when I'm down, I'm going to talk to you and you're going to lift me up. Spoon, when I need help, I'm going to rely on your power to help me. Spoon, when I need, um, you know, um, comfort or words of wisdom, I'm going to look to you, Spoon. Now, if that's going to be the object of my faith, I can have a very strong faith in a spoon, but does it help me? Not at all. You can have a very strong faith in a very weak object and it will not help you. Cubs fans, you know what I'm talking about. You can have a strong faith in a very weak object and it will not help you. Your faith is always linked to its object and what is our object? It's Jesus Christ. Faith is never alone. Faith is always connected to the object, Jesus Christ, and we've already considered that he has power over the evil one and whatever arrows he has. 
He has power, dear friends. In fact, he's promised that when tempted, he can give us strength to stand up under and distinguish those arrows. We go on. Next tool in our arsenal is the helmet of salvation. Take on that helmet of salvation, it says in verse 17. Back to the Olympics. I saw a woman snowboarding slope style, and I think she was from the Czech Republic, but she didn't land a jump so well. She snapped her head back. Luckily, she was wearing a helmet, and it actually cracked her helmet. Now, because she was wearing a helmet, she actually finished the race. Hands in the air, and my goodness, she was tough. Um, But that helmet helped her, didn't it? That helmet kept her from what could have been even a fatal blow to her head. The devil, your enemy, wants to take you out in one punch if he could. He wants to give you a headshot that will knock you out for good. He wants to accuse you, lie to you, get you down. But as surely as the Lord said, it is finished, so surely do we have protection from any knockout blow. Because salvation is sealed and secure through Jesus. He can't crush us. Our head is protected. We wear that helmet of salvation and know we hold a victory. The final tool in our arsenal, the sword of the Spirit. That's what it says. Um, Take on the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And, and, and I love this, that we can actually go on the offensive. I hate just playing defense. I can go on the offensive. I'm not going to be scared to live today. And this is just one promise I picked up. I'm not going to be scared to live today because guess what? The job I'm in, I bet he can give me strength to do it. Guess what? The school I'm in and the test I'm taking, I bet he can give me strength to do it. Guess what? That new phase of life I'm in that's kind of scary and I've never been there before, guess what? He can give me strength to do it. He is that good. I'm going to go on the offensive. I'm not going to be timid. He didn't give us a spirit of timidity. He gave us a spirit of power and of control because of his strength. That's your armor. And knowing that the battle is already won, this is what we use to win daily, dear friends. Don't let the devil defeat you. Don't drag your head in guilt. Lift your eyes up and bask in the victory that is yours, that can never be taken away. You and I are God's warriors. But there's a final prescription before we leave our series. And that prescription is found in verse 18. Our final verse today, it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So your final prescription for today is this, that you are to plan out a prayer life. If you don't plan it out, guess what? I don't believe it's going to happen. I think your enemies are too strong. If you don't plan it out when it's going to happen, mealtime, bedtime, morning time, it won't happen. Another thing that you can add if you're already praying is a prayer list. That God doesn't want us just to come for ourselves even though he hears us all day long and that's not bad. What does it say though? Pray for others as well who are in need, who need help. Pray for those who don't know of victory through Jesus. Use that power. One of the books we've been reading with this series is called The Daniel Plan. Uh, I heard of some people have picked it up. I'd recommend it. The Daniel Plan um, has some words of wisdom about prayer and stress. They said that if you read the Bible every day and you pray every day, you are 40% less likely to suffer from hypertension. 
So there's even a side benefit. It'll help you with the stress in your life when you consider God's Word. But more than that, I think prayer just helps us with the battle. If our battle was an MMA cage match, I'm kind of interested in MMA. There's a Christian named Vitor Belfort who's Brazilian and he wears Jesus on his buckle. Kind of crazy. Well, in an MMA cage match, do you know what you have to do if you want to surrender? If they got you in a sleeper hold or if they got you in a hold that's going to break your arm or something, what do you do to surrender? You tap out, don't you? Tap out. I believe that when we feel this way spiritually, when the enemies have gotten us down, our goal is not to tap out. God, through these words, is telling us, no, I want you to tap in. Call in the secret forces. Call in my strength. Our sermon hymn said this beautifully. Look at verse 3. It said, put on the gospel armor, but each piece put on with prayer. Tap in, dear friends. Don't go a whole day where you don't call upon an almighty source of power. Let him be your strength. So today we live in victory. Let me pray for you that we might feel this victory of peace. We pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for doing everything for me on the cross. Thank you for drawing me into your family and making me your child. Now help me just to please you. I'm going to fail. And when I fail, pick me up. But in the meantime, give me eyes to see the resources I have in you and your power. Enable me to be a warrior who pleases you and shares your good news with many others. In Jesus' name, amen.